Amen. For endless days, we will sing your praise. <laughs> Man, I can't wait. Heaven's going to be pretty good. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's a wonderful blessing to be a part of Memorial Baptist Church, and I'm delighted and honored to be uh, the pastor here, and I'm thankful uh, for the work that each one of you does in the kingdom each and every day. Because I know that as we love one another and we love others well, that the, the message of the gospel is going out. And uh, what a joy it is when we see the gospel being proclaimed, uh, not only in the pulpit on Sunday, but also in each one of our lives every single day of the week. And uh, what, a, what a blessing it is. You know, I think that most people uh, like great stories. You know, we like to, I mean, that's why we're fixated with movies and other things, hopefully, is, is we like great stories. We like hearing great stories. And, uh, you know, personal stories of, of peril, uh, realized peril or danger, uh, heartwarming stories that redeem humanity in, in our eyes. Uh, but only God, only God using the inspiration of the Holy Spirit could write a story so magnificent through the biblical narrative, and I'm just so amazed at how it all fits together. That over centuries, all these, all these stories just fit together. And, you know, the Bible is God's story. It's His story. And, and, and it's God's story that was told orally among, among family members before it was ever written down. And I think this is important because families told their children about these stories that were passed down from their parents and their grandparents. And, and I, I think it was huge because they, they talked about the first people. How God created the world. How he created mankind, humanity. And how he instituted marriage between a man and a woman. Created in a family. Talks about where they lived and, and then how God flooded the world. Because of people's selfishness and sinfulness. See, the biblical record, the biblical record that we have is literally a story that has been told. See, one of the great responsibilities that we have as the church is to tell that story, to tell God's story, the story of him and his son who came to redeem. See, the church has been called to share his story in a meaningful and I want to say a relatable way. So that others around us get to know God as well through his son, Jesus. See, God's word is living and active. It just comes alive. And as we continue to read through the, the, the stories surrounding the birth of Jesus, I'm just so overwhelmed by how much of the gospel I see in these stories. The good news, the good news that Jesus came for us. That he came for sinful people like us. I'm drawn in by the, by the characters and the stories and surrounding that, that magnificent circumstances of when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. What an amazing thing. You know, we've all heard lots of Christmas stories. And tonight, today, we're choosing uh, to focus on four characters this season. Um, today, we're going we're gonna to talk about the shepherd's story. We've heard about Zachariah's story. We've heard about Mary's story, and now we're going to talk a little bit today about the shepherd's story, and you know, we find it in Luke chapter 2, 
beginning in verse 8 and following. And if you want to open your scripture uh, and read along with me uh, as, as I read, uh, that would be great. But Luke chapter 2, verse 8 and following. Luke writes this, he says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Verse 13. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. And saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the the shepherds began saying to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem then and, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. Loving Father, I thank you for your word. And I ask, Lord, that today that that you would just continue to show yourself to us. Father, that you would reveal yourself in our situation. Father, that we would see Jesus as Emmanuel as God with us. Father, I pray for the souls of men and women. I ask, Father, that today if someone does not know you in a personal way, that today they would meet Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Father, I pray that you would do that by your Holy Spirit and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I think this is so cool because the the very first announcement, the very first announcement of Jesus' birth came to a group of shepherds who were out on the hillside. They were out there watching their sheep. It was nighttime. The air was completely nippy. Even if it was a mild winter, it was cool out there. And they were tending to their sheep. They were taking care of their business. You know, these these shepherds, they were despised. They were despised by the good, (laughs) upstanding, 
orthodox people. You know, the people who went to church, the people who went to temple, the people who went to the synagogue, they were despised by them because they could not possibly keep the ceremonial law. They had a dirty job and it kept them away. They couldn't be bothered by the meticulous hand washings that, that, that was required of, of going to the temple. And then all the rules and all the, the endless regulations. I mean, they had more pressing things to do. They had to take care of these sheep. I mean, somebody had to watch out for the snakes and the scorpions. Somebody had to take care of these sheep. They didn't have to worry about the bears like David did when he watched sheep on these very hillsides around Bethlehem. But they still had thorns and, and cacti and things like that. And they had to keep a good eye on the sheep so that they didn't get attacked by predators. But you know, these men, these, these shepherds, they weren't, they weren't senseless men. They weren't stupid. They knew that the priests and the scribes looked down on them. They knew that indignation, that condemnation that came from others as they, as they would pass through town, as they would be on their way, they would be looked down upon and despised because they were shepherds. They were those who took care of the sheep. But they couldn't prevent the dirt from getting underneath their fingernails. They couldn't avoid working on the Sabbath. Somebody had to watch the sheep. They knew that the stench of being a sheep herder was not a very pleasant aroma. But out there, away from the hustle and the bustle of town, away from the pushing and the shoving and all the religious jargon, out there under the stars, why someone would be crazy not to choose this kind of life. A person could actually do some thinking and there was nothing to bother them except maybe the bleeding of the sheep or the blinking stars and maybe the crickets. Always the crickets. They're still here today. See, life was hard and shekels were few. But sometimes they wondered if things would really actually be better for their sons and their daughters. Sometimes they wondered, well, what it would be like to clean the dirt from underneath our nails and, and bathe off all that, that sheep smell and then hold their head up high and go and sit up straight and proper in the synagogue with their family. What would that look like? What would that feel like to actually be respected among the townspeople? Now, we don't know how many shepherds there were. But we know as they worked one night, you know, picking the thorns from bleeding hooves and maybe telling a joke or two to try and stay awake. A strange thing happened. If they had all not seen it, they probably would have thought that they were dreaming. An angel came to them. An angel came to them. He appeared to them. And they were scared out of their wits. You would be too. 
If an angel came and stood right before you while you were doing your job, you'd be scared to death. The angel sensed this fear and he said, don't be afraid. I have some good news for you. Good news for you. They needed some good news. You know, out there under the stars, cold and broke. And nothing really to look forward to in the future. This was their lot in life. This is where they were. But the angel changed all that. He said, today in the city of David, there has been born for you. That's second person, plural. Born for y'all. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. See, it must have been true. They'd never heard anything like that. I mean, when their own kids were born, you know, the custom was as they would, they would grab some pots and pans and some stringed instruments and family members and neighbors and they would, they would go and stand outside the, the, the hut or, the, or, the, or the, the, the little, you know, cottage that they had there for them and, and after the baby was born and they would sing their hearts out. And that was their way of welcoming this new person to the earth. Welcoming this new baby, the new infant. And it was a great custom. And on that frosty night, it was like that. An angel came and made an announcement. And then more angels came. (laughs) You thought one was scary. What about the multitude of the host, the, the, the multitude of heaven there standing before them, praising God? It says angels came praising God in verse 13. A multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men, uh, among men with whom he is pleased. Wow. Angels praising God. They saw it with their eyes. They heard it with their ears. Oh, I bet it was something. I bet it was amazing. And when the praising was over, these shepherds, they left the, probably the, the youngest one there. You know how it goes. It flows downhill. You're the newbie. You stay. You're the, you're, the, you're the new guy on the block. You're going to stay with the sheep. We're going to go check it out. We're going to go see what happened. Bethlehem wasn't far, and just over the next rise of the hill, they were in Bethlehem. But the story says something interesting. In verse 16, it says, So they came in a hurry. You stay here, we're going to go check it out. We're going to go check out what the angels were told us, what the angel told us. And they were praising God, and it, it says they, they didn't waste any time getting to Bethlehem. And sure enough, the angel was right. They found a young mother and a scared new father. And in the manger, there was a baby. Now we don't know exactly what happened after that, We do know this, 
that the shepherds told others. They began to evangelize. They began to tell others about what they had seen and what they had saw. They shared their testimony of what happened that night. That's what it tells us. They shared with others. They told others the unbelievable story. I can just see them now, you know, slapping each other on the back. Man, you should have seen your face when you saw that angel. Man, you were scared. I saw the look in your eye. No, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. Yes, you were. Man, did you see him? I could just hear them slapping each other on the back and just, just talking about what happened and thinking, man, when we get, when we get back, nobody's going to believe what just happened to us. It was probably surreal. Something quite undefinable happened on the inside of these rough, old shepherds but they couldn't explain it they couldn't explain it words failed them to explain what they had seen and what had happened to them of course people thought they were crazy you know leaving the young guy on duty with all the sheep while they laughed and talked about this baby toward morning they went back to what they were doing the things they had left behind and dawn began to break on that new day, a bright, bright, sunshiny day. And those shepherds held their heads high like kings who were walking proudly back to the job and the sheep that they had left. I mean, what was it? What was it that changed these unremarkable, very ordinary men into very, very special people? The difference is Jesus. And when I look at this passage, I see a few things here. I want to point them out to you real quickly. The first one is in verse 11. When he says, for today in the city of David, there has been born for you a savior. See, the message that the angel brought was personal. A lot of people today know about God. And a lot of people may even know about Jesus. But what this tells me is that Jesus came to be our personal savior. Someone for us, for me, for you. It's not enough just to have knowledge about. It. You know, it, it says for you. I want to say the shepherds, you know, the despised. For those people in our world who are unseen. For those people in our world, you know, the ordinary. Those that just kind of get lost in the crowd, so to speak. Maybe those that are despicable. Maybe the ones that we can't understand. That first announcement came to that kind of person. It came to that kind of person. You see, I think this is huge because Luke says it's to Israel that Jesus came. But we understand even more than that, that he came to the whole world. 
I mean, John 3.16 tells us, for God so loved the world, everyone, that he gave his one and only son. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. So when the angel says, for today in the city of David, there has been born for you a savior. It's, it's a personal savior. It's for you. Must have been hard for those shepherds who felt very little self-worth, very little self-love to reckon with the idea that Almighty God sent them a savior. See, if we ever get it, if we truly get it, that Christ comes to us, to you and to me, Emmanuel, God with us, we will know the truth of Christmas. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If we get it, if we understand that God sent us Jesus, and that Jesus Christ is our personal Savior, that he came for you and he came for me. We need to grasp hold of that. Secondly, I would say that the message is particular. <laughs> I mean, the birth occurred where they lived. These shepherds were in the field around Bethlehem. What it means is that God broke into history. God broke into our history. I think that's huge. He came crashing in. You know, it's not, we, we see Bethlehem and it, it's not like a, a never, never Wizard of Oz kind of place. Bethlehem is an identifiable place on the map. He came crashing into our history. I love that because, you know, if, if you're familiar with things like the Civil War and Civil War history, then you know that the first shot was fired at Fort Sumter. You also know that the, the, the Gettysburg was the turning point of the war. I mean, you can visit places like Shiloh or Bull Run, Chattanooga, Atlanta, Vicksburg. And you realize there that in those places, battles were fought. Blood ran free. And the course of a nation's history was indelibly changed. Listen, this Christmas story is no fairy tale. Jesus was born into a world of plague. Brother Ridge, they weren't wearing masks. He was born into a world of plague. He was born into a world of poverty. And into a manger, a stable where cows slept. That's where he entered the world. This message is particular. It's personal. It's also particular. The message is also practical. <laughs> A savior. I love this. Because the word savior is unusual. It's not used a whole lot in the Old Testament or the New Testament. But savior means deliverer from disease. Deliverer from disease. Savior meant deliverer from danger, from the human predicament. I mean, many people called Caesar Savior. 
although he never was. But to say that Christ, that Jesus Christ is Savior, meant that Jesus is the only one (laughs) who can do what no one else can do. He's the one who can do what no one else can do. Because we say things like, well, money, money talks. And we might say that clout, proper recommendations, they make, make a difference in someone's life. But money and clout and even advantages never speak to our bondage. They never speak to the littleness in our lives. They never speak to the unloveliness that eats away at us. See, the meanings of Savior are many. Helper, saver of life, physician, liberator. You know, liberation theology says that there is a Savior who is concerned wherever people are suppressed and beaten down and treated unjustly. So the word Savior becomes kind of a revolutionary word. Savior, a Savior for you, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. See, someone, someone came to take the chains off. Someone came to take our chains off of us. Someone came and took my chains off of me. My chains are gone. I've been set free. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Something that I wasn't before, now I am. Something has changed. Something is different. But you see, he came to the poorest people. But it was a sign that he comes to everyone. And when Jesus comes into your life, nothing is ever the same again. I mean, the scripture tells us that we're, we're saved. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that we are saved. But it also says that we shall be saved. And this Christmas, we have to reckon with all the things in our hearts that still needs delivering. I want to call it total surrender to the Savior. See, this message is very practical. A couple more points and I'm done. The message is also poetry. You say, poetry? What are you talking about? Think about this. An angel came, followed by a multitude of angels. We can't leave this out of the message because what we're dealing with here is poetry. Think about this. They're praising God, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. The angels and the praising mean that the everydayness of life is shattered forever. Life now has a halo around it. 
Life has a halo around it for shepherds, for 15, 16-year-old girls, for middle-aged Zacharias, for everyone. Life has a halo around it now. See, the angels express their message in poetic language because the most precious things in this life cannot be defined literally. You know it and I know it. In your very core being, you know this. See, we express messages the same way today. You know, several years ago, a lady that quite often recently sits over on this side, her name is Vanita Beckhuser. She gave me a pink rose bush from her backyard. And I planted it in my backyard. And I go out to that rose bush and I cut pink roses off of that rose bush and I bring them into the house for my wife. It's my way of expressing that she is special. Aww. You know, we send flowers, we send flower arrangements, we send red roses to other people to let them know that they're special to us. And I pick up perfume for my love. You know, when we go to Africa, every time I travel through Amsterdam, on my way back from Africa, I stop and I pick up perfume for my wife. Well, she ran out recently. Amazon. We didn't go to Africa this year. Had we gone, I probably would have got some perfume in Amsterdam. But the thing is, is we do that as a way of letting others know that they are special to us. But these aren't the only way that we express messages. We haul in trees into our house that stretch to the ceiling. We hold hands. We, we buy diamond solitaires. We bake a cake. We bring a casserole to someone. We send a card. We whisper a prayer. All of these are expressions, ways we express ourselves to others because sometimes words fail us. We build buildings out of stone and mortar and encase them in stained glass. We play instruments and with tears running down our faces, we sing songs. This is poetry. It's too big to put into words. We can't explain it. We decorate Christmas trees. We put mistletoe over the door. We cook ham or prime rib or smoke a brisket or a turkey. But listen. <laughs> Yay! Say that again, Brother Rich. Poetry, poetry humanizes us. Poetry humanizes us and it makes us a little more loving and a little less ugly. See, the message is poetry. He came for us. And lastly, and I want to say most importantly, the message is about peace. See, the word irony means peace. Probably where they got the name Irene from. The word means to reconcile. It means to bring back together like broken bones that need mending. 
broken bones that need mending, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Peace in this kind of warring, conflictive, selfish, self-serving world to all who will claim it for their own. For all who are willing to accept it. For all who are willing to receive it. They can have the peace of God. You know, I love this because 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Be put together with God. This peace means that if we allow ourselves to become ambassadors to agents of this reconciliation, this mending of whatever broken bones are in our lives or in our families or in our, our homes and even on our world, We'll discover this peace, this peace, the rightness of Almighty God. <laughs> to those who will receive it, you can have that peace, the rightness of Almighty God. You know, the Bible tells us that one day all things will be reconciled. Back to him. Colossians 1, 19. Says for it was the father's good pleasure. For all the fullness, the pleroma. All the fullness of deity, if you will. To dwell in him, Jesus. And through Jesus, through him. To reconcile all things to himself. Having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. He's reconciling it all back to himself. So the message of Luke 2 is personal. It's particular. It's practical. It's poetry. And it's peace. So today, behind the tears and the laughter of the good days and the bad, Heads held high like the lowly shepherds. We return to a work that is so common and so ordinary as washing our dishes, changing a diaper, or paying our bills. Just like the shepherds, they went right back to work. But we are different. Now we are forever different because of Jesus. And like the shepherds, we too have seen and we too have heard the good news. And nothing, nothing can be the same as it was before ever again. Let's pray. Loving Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for how you, you challenge us with your word. Father, I know this. I know that you have changed my life because of your son, Jesus. And Father, I ask that you would continue to give us pause even in this season where we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. 
Father, that we would recognize and that we would look for you in the everyday, mundane, ordinary things that we do. Father, recognizing that we belong to you. Father, we will never, ever be the same like it was before. Lord Jesus, because of you, we have the peace of God. And because we have you, we have peace with God. So I ask, Father, that all of the, the, the trials, all of the, the, the tribulation, all of the things that we go through, Father, that in those we would see you. Father, just holding us and loving us. Because you love us so well and you love us so much. I pray, Father, that you would give us boldness through your Holy Spirit to share with others the things that we have seen and the things that we've heard. Father, we know that you are alive and active. We serve a risen Savior who is in the world today. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would reign in our hearts, that you would reign in every area. Father, that you would forgive us when we have not given you glory for the things that you've done in our lives. Father, when we've contributed it or said that it was luck, well, we sure got lucky. Father, I pray that we would give you the praise and glory and honor that you deserve. Father, I pray that if there is someone that has not given their lives to you, that has not received your son Jesus, that today would be their day of salvation. Father, that you would do that for your glory and for your honor. Help us, Father, to be the witnesses that you call us to be. We love you, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.